It's Thursday, December 6, 2018, and you're listening to episode 502 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 45 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Julia. And my name's Chad. All right, so... Just a quick comment on the fact that the recording quality may have changed. It may be better, maybe worse. I mentioned in an episode or two back that I was in the process of getting divorced, moving to a new place, and I don't want to air my dirty laundry on here, but the relevance of this to the podcast is that I'm waiting on some furniture to arrive so I can put the studio back together. In the meantime, the actual play will continue uninterrupted because it uses a slightly different setup. But the podcast itself uh, may miss a week here and there. And Julie has been kind enough because her hubby, Mike, yeah. used to have a podcast of his own called Action Nerds Go. And we are borrowing their setup at Julia's place. And so the sound quality may be a little bit different, but just bear with us while we sort through this. I should have the studio put back together sometime in early December. So just stick with us a little bit longer. If it sucks, make sure you yell at him. <laughs> but yeah, just we'll invent an email address for him. So yeah, there you And go. then you can just yell at him. Kramer at feartheboot.com. It doesn't exist, but go ahead and just scream at it. <laughs> well, we do have a bit of news. A little bit of news. I just want to tell everyone about our Destiny 2 clan. Several. I thought you were going to tell people you were pregnant. No. No, no, I do have some kind of heavy that's news. That's medically but impossible. We'll come back to that. But. Chad is pregnant. No, Chad is not pregnant. <laughs> Chad makes sure he's never going to get pregnant. So we have a Fear the Boot Destiny 2 clan that we ostensibly teamed up with Gamers Table. Though to... I have never seen any of them on. No, no, it, it's all Fear the Boot people because, uh, you know, they're, they're all very lame. Anyway. Uh, uh, yeah, they've got more hosts and listeners. So that's just kind of how it's going to work out. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Destiny 2 is a loot and shoot kind of game. If you're not familiar with it, we played on the PC. We get together, we do stuff together. There were like five of us on last night doing yeah. stuff. It was pretty fun. It's maybe not a game for everybody. Uh, don't go to it for a deep, involved plotline or story or you know layered amounts of gameplay. But it's it's fun to hang out with and do stuff on. We'll put a link to the clan page on the website. We play on PC. But if you play it on Xbox or PlayStation, uh, you can actually still join the clan. You won't be able to get together with us and do things with us, but the things you do will contribute to the clan, and they have this whole point system thing that gets you stuff, and you will be able to get the rewards that we get as well. Right. So we do unfortunately have a bit of kind of heavier news. A longtime podcaster, guy who started his show about the same time as ours, maybe a little earlier maybe a little after, I'm honestly not sure, but was one of the founding fathers of RPG podcasts and did a lot of great stuff and was one of the few people that I know in the pre-Patreon days who was able to make a living off of just podcasting by some marketing stuff that he had worked out with Mayfair Games and some other groups. He was just an incredibly nice guy, did a lot of great things. And we were even at one point part of his network, the Pulp Gamer Network, uh, before it got disbanded, at which point we switched over to the RPG Academy. But I want to give all my love to the family of Don Dem, who unfortunately passed away from cancer. He was an outstanding guy, was a friend to anyone that met him, and contributed a lot to this hobby. And when I say this hobby, I mean both gaming and podcasting. I mean both of them. 
So he did a lot of great stuff and we're sorely going to miss him. But, you know, hey, this one's for you, Don. We're just going to continue doing what we do because I got to imagine that's what he'd want. So Godspeed to him. And, you know, if you know his family or friends, please do reach out to them during this time and, and be there for them. So on a less difficult note, Chad, we were going to talk today and we are going to talk mm-hmm. today about your Wemix shoes. Yes. So anything no, with three no. syllables <laughs> works to baby shark. So this oh, D&D God. game that I'm in that Julia's friend Mary is running. Yep. And well, I say Julia's friend. She's my friend, too. She's actually. Sweet game. Yeah. And she's been hanging out with the folks from the show for a long time. So she's probably all our friend. But Probably. That, maybe. Maybe. We're, she's still under consideration. We'll she's com- still in her probationary period. She secretly hates you in oh, her dungeon. <laughs> I, we knew we met her through you. So I guess that's why yep. I'm calling her your friend. So that's how we met her. <laughs> and she's running this D&D game where I'm finally playing a Waymaker, which is diminished by the fact that the party is a total freak show. There's, <laughs> it, it's a, an asymmer. So, which so is, you, you wanted to play a D&D game where you played a Waymaker. Yes. And the planes and your savage and tribal and the every single member of the party are modern day accountants, school teachers. Well, doctors. it didn't have to be that. But, you know, I tell you, and maybe there's a show in this. It does get harder to explore. Well, you bitched about this. Are people taking away your uniqueness? <laughs> like everybody <laughs> in the party has sneak. <laughs> but it's kind of like that, except it is kind of hard to explore the fact that you are the monster if everybody is something weird like you can't explore that aspect of your character when i played gnarl i really got mm. to explore the fact that he was a fish out of water right that he was a, a monster off his leash he was this thing in a place he didn't belong and i got to really explore that and i would not have gotten to if everyone in the group was playing something mm-hmm. weird you know because my weirdness is no you know if everybody's special nobody's special sort right. of thing. So in this current game, I'm playing a Waymick, and the other players are an ASMR, which is like the angel version. Of, it's like partially angelic. Okay. A dragonborn. That's me. A so, so like the dragonborn's the normal one. Strangely, yes, because it's mm. the only one I think that come. Well, I guess the tiefling as well. A Goliath. Mm-hmm. And tiefling. A no. tiefling that was raised by gnolls. Hmm. <laughs> And so for a long time, I thought the guy was actually playing a gnoll. It took me a while to figure out he <laughs> was actually playing a tiefling that was raised by gnolls. So he's not actually a gnoll. But this game, we have discovered. How did you not that know your fellow player? I don't know. But this, <laughs> I, I thought I was going to be the weird one out playing the Waymick. And everyone else is going to be like, you know, elf, human, dwarf. Mm. Nope. Mm. Not I am this game. <laughs> oftentimes the most normal thing in the room. To be fair, we have been in a lot of human, more humanoid situations. Like maybe when we actually get out, like in null communities, because there's mm-hmm. a lot of gnolls in this setting, we, you're going to be weird again. Yeah, but so is everybody else. <laughs> I e- mean, except the tiefling yeah. who was raised by gnolls, but even that's kind of, you know, it's not a gnoll. And it's not a gnoll tiefling. It's a, like a tiefling human who was tossed out by his human parents or something to that effect and raised by these gnolls. And it just it just makes unlike a way it just makes no sense. The best part is like none. being in human communities and all of us being like I don't know how to human, uh-huh. like at all. Yeah, we have no sense of their culture. I, I was so the I was trying to set up the ASMR character with like a ten or twelve year old girl 
because Way makes age it differently. Right. So to him, she's an adult. Yeah. When she says she's 10 or 12, must be an adult. Right. And so it does not occur to him that. Because it's Waymick years. Yeah. It's Waymick years. years. Yeah. But see, in, okay, that's what we discover in this game is anything with three syllables fits into Baby Shark <laughs> and has become the sort of ubiquitous theme song of this game. Has it become the ubiquitous theme song of the game or your ubiquitous it's, theme yes. song to punish other people? That's probably true. Mm. I actually got yelled at. So one of the char- one of the guys who plays the tiefling is my boss mm-hmm. as well. And he was super mad at me the day after we played Baby Shark for the first time for him. <laughs> and he's like, that is still stuck in my head. I hate you. Yep. Because <laughs> we found a cobbler. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? We're supposed to be going to this big wedding ceremony for Noble. I'm a Waymick. What do I know about this? And so I'm kind of looking at what everybody else is doing. I'm like, well, apparently I need shoes. Mm-hmm. And so now every time I put them on, Waymick shoes, do, 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 Waymick shoes. It works for anything with three syllables. That you- sounds fascinating. This is my I'm fascinated face. Yes. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be. <laughs> Chad, sad face, do, 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 see anything, yeah, anything see? three syllables. It works for. This will either enhance or destroy your life, or enhance your life and destroy everyone around you. Kind of like dropping an atomic bomb. Mm. So I'm weaponizing this. You're weaponizing. I'm weaponizing this because see, I'm not a parent, so I don't have to deal with this. I can go home and listen to like uh, gangster rap and whatever, and it's it's okay. My kids in junior high. I don't have to deal with this. I know, I, but I <laughs> I know. See, you and my sister both dodged this by having kids old enough to get around this. Mm-hmm. So you you are not stuck nope, in. They this. had other songs. There's always songs. yeah. There's yeah. always songs. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. My kid loved Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, that's a sweet song. And Transformers. My and- sister wants to kill whoever it is that wrote the Bubble Guppy song. If bubble Guppies are literally written by the devil. Yeah, because it's apparently like only two words, Bubble and Guppy. Yeah. Just over. repeated over and over and over and set to music. This is like somebody turned this jingle in at last minute and wrote it on the back of a McDonald's <laughs> napkin on their way there. Oh, it is terrible. So, hmm. Yeah. But I mean, so are, so are most like kids shows. Like That's the one thing I have to give Dizzy Jr. Mm-hmm. Is they actually have good theme songs. I mean, they're terrible because they're kids songs. But sure. I mean, they're not bubble guppies repeated over and over like the muppet baby song actually sounds a lot like the old muppet baby song mm-hmm. i mean i know them all I've, i know all of eliza's shows stuff you know them all do 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 no you can do anything anything no no you don't have to do i it said you can anything, but yeah all right no so, you do but <laughs> on the topic yes of <laughs> Section not on that topic at all. So on the topic of nothing we've talked about to this point. Excellent. Chad. Yes. The importance to the GM of people playing in character. So I, yes. I was reading something earlier today that I'm not going to link in the show notes because it was a pointlessly inflammatory article to be <laughs> perfectly blunt. Wow. But one of the components in this pointlessly inflammatory article, among its many others, was it created what I felt was a false dichotomy <laughs> As if there are two camps in gaming. Hmm. And on one hand, you have the hardcore, like amber diceless, pure story, right. whatever for the narrative type. Put on my wizard robe and hat and we're going to role play. Yeah. Although we we never really stop role playing in our hearts. There's oh, there's wow. no system. Yeah. And then on the far opposite side. You have the OSR, old school revol- uh, revolution, resurrection, where the hell it is, people who you know, want to bring back kind of the dungeon crawl, 
graph paper. I only role play in the third person. If I role play at all, you're lucky if my character has a name. And it's like they put these two camps like that's what role playing is like this. Hmm. You're either one or the other. There's there's no middle ground. There's no overlap. There's no people that even enjoy both styles. Mm -hmm. God forbid that much less have found a sweet spot in the middle. But I was reading that and I'm like, wow, this is really, really stupid. And I really wonder about this person's grasp of what the RPG hobby and demographics actually look like and how they actually play. But the point being, though, while I was reading this, you know, Mm -hmm. I was thinking about the fact that I guess if you had to put us in one of the two camps and both would be wrong, we are probably ever so slightly tilted toward the amber diceless pure story crowd i guess because if you I, told me i have to either give up the story or the system i'll give up the system yeah but i don't care to give up either right yeah i feel like i'm a pretty middle of the road person it also depends on my mood mm-hmm. like there's some days where i'm all about like the role-playing side of it but some days i'm like nah I'd rather just roll some dice and go yeah just really i'm really hit or miss mm-hmm. i i'm a female about it <laughs> <laughs> depends on my mood but so you were talking about yes. The importance of role playing to the game master. Uh, the role playing in character. Yes, yes, yeah, of the pre- players to the game master. All right, explain yeah. that. So it was an issue I had in basically our last game that I, I'm I'm running this D and D game and my players were not playing in character. Now there were a lot of reasons for that. Uh, we we brought a new person more or less into the group or introducing new character. So we had to kind of that awkward new person sort of character first game thing where you have an established group that's been playing a long campaign. That's a very, very into it. And then boop, here's this person you've never met before in your entire life that you have to trust completely. And we have to bridge that gap in two hours. Go which is pain in, in and of itself. There was some personal issues going on, not interpersonal issues, but, you know, sort of external, typical holidays, family, crap, yeah. stresses, jobs, that sort of thing. They were all just kind of death by a thousand paper cuts, just little things pecking at each other. And I was presenting, you know, as a game master, I was pre- presenting a story, presenting situations, presenting this this sort of game. And people, because of all of these external little pressures and factors and stuff, were really just being very silly. Totally legit. Totally legit just to not want to be deadly serious role play for the night and just want to be very silly. But I was having a big problem. Not a problem with them and their issues. How dare they have issues coming to my game? No, (laughs) I was having a problem getting them to do things. It's not that they didn't want to do things, but when you're a game master... What you are essentially doing is manipulating people. Now, you have a place or a story or a concept you need them to go to. You're, you're telling a story. You want them to travel down this road. Unless you're playing this totally open world, I've got nothing for you, but here's the world in a situation, and whatever you do, I'm just going to improv around you. I'm not really running that kind of game. It's more of a straight-up D&D, here's the mega plot, your involvement in it, and there's the bad guys, let's go. You're trying to get your players to get their characters to do things. And so you are manipulating them or motivating them or giving them goals. Yeah, and, and I stuff. think manipulate and, 
is going to carry manipulates an ugly word. It's but an it's ugly an word, but yeah, one. it's not to it's say not it's not wrong, right? Yeah, I mean, I, to, to to manipulate. I mean, look, the proper usage of the verb is if you take Play-Doh and make a shape, mm-hmm. you have manipulated, manipulated the, the Play-Doh. Play-Doh. You are playing a berserker barbarian whose main thing is to kill the man who killed his father. And if I put the man who killed his father in front of him, you're manipulating precisely. Them. It's, it's, a, manip- it's a good thing for everybody. So yeah. So try to unpack that term a bit. Cause I realize manipulation yeah. it, sounds mean. Well, yeah. sounds, it does. And I think the reason it does is because of the fact that manipulation is used so often in reference to emotional mm-hmm. abuse. Right. And we're not talking about emotional no. or social abuse here. So as a game master, I had the, I don't know if it's a realization, but it's like I had a hard time getting them to do what I considered your basic D&D things. There's an Assassin's Guild. They've been searching the city for the Assassin's Guild. They found the Assassin's Guild. The Assassin's Guild is evil. They know it has some guards in it that they can wipe out and an Assassin's Guild leader that they need to punch in the face and the person that the Assassin's Guild has taken that they're going to try to rescue. And they're across the street from the Assassin's Guild and I can't get them to cross the goddamn street and kick in the door. It's D and D, you know, it's not, Oh, should we role play this? Should we do that? It's like, no, it's D and D kick in the door. And I could not get them to do that. And I'm like, how am I screwing this up? What am I doing here to kind of toss them under the bus? It was because they weren't playing in character. They're serious character that has these sort of layers of emotion that like, She's a very serious character on the outside, but she's very sensitive on the inside and has a lot of conflict. She was being very, very silly that night because, again, they had all these external pressures and stresses and stuff. And so we were kind of had a fun night. The character who is very forthright and strong and commanding was being played as very wishy-washy. And very, you know, oh, you know, what are we doing here? Oh, this is fine, whatever. The person who is very aloof and thoughtful and intelligent and unpacks things and breaks things down and figures it out and, and sort of is like, okay, let's do this, was just trying to do the RP stuff. Like not even looking at the challenge that is presented, but just more like, hey, let's just exchange banter all night. Again, nobody did anything wrong. And because of these external stresses, it wasn't so much that, well, let's not game tonight because everybody's stressed. It's more like, and we absolutely should game tonight because this is going to be some great stress relief and we can get play and pretend and, and hit stuff with our swords. But because of that, that situation, no one was playing in character. So I didn't know how to, and we're going to use that bad word again, I didn't know how to manipulate them. I knew how to manipulate the strong, sensitive one. I knew how to manipulate the forthright, righteous one. I knew how to manipulate the intelligent problem solver. And I was presenting the challenges and the the story and all the points and all the plot beats to it to those characters. But really, those characters weren't there that night. Different characters were there that night with the same name that looked the same and had the same history. And so when I was throwing out hooks, they weren't biting. Again, I don't want to present this like it was this huge, gigantic problem, but it was just like... An observation. An observation. It really made me think, because I think that there are ways that if another game master sees this, they can react better than I did 
to the situation. I mean, we've had we have that pretty frequently, <laughs> even in the game we play. I play with you, where I'm sure Mary wasn't expecting us to uh, spend an entire session getting ready for a wedding. <laughs> yeah, and getting shoes. Like I, I don't think that that was a thing, but I think it happens in our group a lot because some of us actually legit use this as a pretty mm-hmm. big stress relief quite frequently. Sure. And I mean, there has been entire sessions. Like I think we gained a tavern because we had one of those silly sessions that we just weren't going <laughs> to get anything done. Yeah. And so that GM just was like, all right, you guys take over. Right. <laughs> I'll just be here to present anything that the I need end of to. the world and the horrible plot and the mega stuff. Everybody's just going to take a tea break over there while you guys do your interview. It is like the Buffy musical (laughs) episode where it doesn't have a ton to do with the plot, but hey, it's fun. That's kind of the way. Every good game, especially games that are really super serial, like dark or emotional or impactful, I think really do need those sort of, you know, Buffy musical sort of swimsuit episode, whatever crazy, (laughs) crazy episode or crazy session. And you can't really plan that. You can't really come in and say, okay, guys, we're going to be silly tonight. Yeah. Take a tavern over and get drunk. Right. (laughs) I was in a game where, you know, it was like, it is Dresden into the world. Oh my God. All this crazy people dying, but it was Cinco de Mayo. Oh, gosh. And so, like, in real life, it was Cinco de Mayo, so we made Cinco de Mayo in the game, and we oh, took over cute. a White Castles, and we we hot, we looked in the Yellow Pages and hired a mariachi band to come out to the White Castles, <laughs> and we, like, one of the characters was rich, so we, like, basically bribed the manager and rented out the White Castles for the night and got this bartender in, and, I mean, it was freaking hilarious. It was great. I mean, the end of the world was happening, but that sort that of one in-game night, pressure valve was awesome. It, it didn't it didn't happen for one, one night. night. The yeah. big bad was also celebrating. Cinco right. De Mayo. I mean, you know, they got they have vacation days they got to burn up they, too. Yeah, they really do. <laughs> you know, they lose them. Yeah, the, yeah, they lose they, them. If you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah, I mean, they're bad guys. You think their HR is going to be nice? <laughs> Hell no. Well, it's a difficult <laughs> balancing act too because when you play a role playing game, all parties have freedom. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the players have the freedom to interact with the world as they see fit. Right. To, to keep using that ugly word we've been using to manipulate the world mm-hmm. as they see fit. And the game master, alongside the rules and the setting, present them with certain buttons and levers and strings that they can pull on that, you know, they generally understand that if I do this, then such and such is going to be the result. The game master at the same time who is saddled with presenting some kind of a structure, some kind of a story here. And yes, I realize there are weird experimental or open world games that maybe don't work no, that way. No, there's only two kind of games. Right, there's only two. Amber Diceless and, and, and hardcore. hardcore OSR. Right. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but so if you're one of those imaginary people that play somewhere in the middle, then when the game master goes to try and create a cogent and engaging story for the players, I think it is fair to expect, and this isn't the same as railroading them, but it's fair to expect that they are in for a certain kind of ride, which they have conveyed up front. They have Mm -hmm. set up front, this is the kind of game we want to play. These are the kind of characters we have. This is what drives or motivates my character. 
And when the game master puts that in front of them, I'm not saying the the player is obligated mm-hmm. to bite every time and they cannot give their character nuance or right. have the freedom to say no. I'm, I don't mean that. But what I do mean is if the player just consistently, whether and by consistently, this could be repeatedly over a long period of time or even repeatedly in one sitting, will not bite at things that they've expressed they would mm-hmm. otherwise bite at doesn't behave in a way that's internally consistent to the character they've created. It does really kind of strip the game master of his or her ability to interact with the players. I mean, imagine if we were to reverse this, if you as a player, unless they're playing Mm -hmm. good old D and D that suddenly, yeah, that sword that does a D eight damage, it just doesn't do any damage anymore. And that's not a weird plot point. It just doesn't anymore ever. In fact, you can't attack at all. And in fact, the skills that you have, None of them do what you think if they do anything at all. And pretty soon you as a player are just stuck there like, why did I show up today? Or even on a, a like a, a non-mechanical level, the players expect a level, not 100%, but a certain level of internal consistency. Even if you're playing some wackadoodle, crazy, abstract world that is all weird and stuff... Even those super weird, crazy types of worlds have their own internal consistency to them. You know, like Bizarro Superman, Bizarro, Bizarro World has an internal consistency to it that it is bizarre and opposite of our world. And it doesn't break that eternal consistency because then it's not a thing. It's just random whatever. Players expect that internal consistency from their game master, again, to a certain level because no one's perfect. And I don't think that the gaming world at large expects as much internal consistency from the players. Again, I'm going to say the caveat this to a certain point, you cannot be a hundred percent on it. 100% of the time we're telling a story. We're having fun. We got to have our Cinco de Mayo relaxation bikini yeah. party nights. We got to, you know, I really want to know what games you're playing that you guys have consistent. Uh, they're amazing. Bikini. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Great games. (laughs) You know, and the same holds true for the Game Master as well. I think that there is a danger, though, with us presenting this advice, because I think it can be taken very easily as you have to be in character for the game to work all the time. I think it can also be misinterpreted in an overly constricting fashion that you're playing the hard on the outside sensitive on the inside person. You can never be anything but that. Your character can never grow or evolve or change or have a bad day. Yeah. You're not allowed. You're not allowed to have any flexibility, any inconsistency, any interpretive moments. And And that's, that's, that kills games. Yeah. And that's not at all what we're saying. What we're saying is that when the character either doesn't exist as an entity, mm-hmm. that the game master has some bell curve of things that generally motivate them or generally get them to react in a certain way, and that that is true over a long period of time, I mean, it, it really does make the game just as hard for the game master to run. Well, think about it this way, too. Dan, you're playing a character. D&D, whatever, in a castle, and there is a captain of the guard. You and the captain of the guard get along really well. You've gone on some adventures together. You've saved his butt. You've done the fun, crazy Cinco de Mayo bikini party adventure 
he was involved in it. It was really great. You would even say that your character and his are friends. And then you sit down to a session and, and I'm running this and I start playing the captain of the guard like he just does not like you. What are you? You're not even part of the kingdom. You're just some random murder hobo who came into into this kingdom causing trouble. Well, at first you might think, oh, what, has he been mind controlled? Has he been bribed? Is there this some plot point? But if the truth is, no, I just changed him. I just decided to he, change yeah, him. Yeah, he's not like that anymore for no reason. Yeah, that hurts your view of the game. It, it, yeah. it damages you as a player. Now let's let's reverse that. I'm the game master. And I have this Captain of the Guard NPC, and he's friends with you, and he's great, and you know the bikini adventure and all that sort of stuff is is awesome. And then we have a session, and we sit down, and you don't give a sh about the Captain of the Guard. I have this adventure where it comes up, the Captain of the Guard is like, hey, uh, my son has gone missing. I'm a little worried about him. He went into the dark forest because I have this whole plot. There's an evil wizard in the dark forest and blah, blah, blah. I got to get you going. It's going to be perfect because you, you're the leader of the group. You're going to look for this guy's kid. I'll bring him along and boom, boom, boom. And now we're off on an adventure. And you're like, why do I care about this head's kid? I mean, kids get lost in the forest all the time. I'm going to do this other thing. I would be sitting here like, what just happened here? That's the kind of thing. If you've never run a game before, that's the kinds of things that game masters do to present path for your characters to go down, to get you to where the plot is. And so when you start acting out of character, like radically for no reason, then it really is a speed bump for the, for the game master. Now, if Dan had like been secretly saying, you know, I'm just pretending to be this guy's friend. I'm not really his friend. I'm doing it for these reasons, blah, blah, blah. This is actually a consistent thing in my character. That's fine. As a game master, I just need to keep up with that. It's yeah, me. Or, or I'm playing somebody who's from a tribe where you have to be strong to survive. And so if his kid can't enter the dark forest and come back on his own alive, he wasn't a good child anyway. Yeah. That's on me, the game right. master. I need to keep up and know that. Precisely. Right. And this is where I think this diverges from the railroad, mm -hmm. is you're not forcing the players down a single track. Once again, we're not saying you have to be this exact way, and there's no room for interpretation or whatever, but the game master suddenly has no consistency to count on that things that ought to motivate you. It is very hard to build a story around that. Yes. If I show you a I mean, obviously as a game master, I can take the wizard, the dark forest and the actual plot and transplant it somewhere else with a different character. That's part of the obfuscation of being a GM and I can roll with that. But now I've got this hole, like the pacing of the story was we're at the castle. Now we're going to the woods has evaporated on me and now i'm having to shuffle things around and try to juggle while keeping the pretense that the game hey everything's going great and this is how it's supposed to be i mean i would just use that character and turn that right back around on him like <laughs> hey i thought we were like cool like <laughs> right like after the guards like what the hell man like, yeah i don't know that's <laughs> well i think that's a good okay so let's actually start turning this to advice yeah. I, that's a good first what piece of advice is i think the game master can try to remediate this in character in the game of have start with the role playing layer of having yeah. the NPCs, like you just said, say something like, why are you acting like this? You know, I, I 
this mm-hmm. really isn't, I didn't think this was who you are. Yeah. And see if that gets the player to kind of pause and, and notice what they're doing. Yeah. Or to rethink where they're going with this. And I will say that that's what I should have done. Well, I don't know if that's why I should have done. Well, and I think but we're talking about two different situations, too. Mm-hmm. When the whole group is just being silly and off topic, yeah, that's when you turn it into like take over the tavern and get drunk and have fun. Right. When you just have a single player that all of a sudden turns their personality, that's a very different handling. Yeah. Like it would be a different right. type of advice. Okay, the party is in a silly mood. We're just going to do some bikini mm-hmm. party right. at White Castle for <laughs> some reason. With mariachi. With mariachi band. Yeah. But if you have one player doing that, then the role-playing thing, because then they're throwing off the game for the other players. Yeah. And I don't really see it necessarily as a, as a malicious thing. No, I mean, not players at all. have a lot of stuff going on in their head that's sort of the head canon of their character that the game master can't know. Yeah. And if you play long enough, what you have decided in your head versus what has come out in role-play might kind of get blurred a little bit. And I've seen that happen. Well, yeah, because I think my characters tend to do that, too, because once I kind of get into a group, especially with a new one like the like <laughs> the game we're playing right now, you know, I've never played with you or Ben. So that's a very different experience for me and my characters. So now that, you know, it's like you have to kind of find your mm-hmm. thing. But if it's like 30 sessions in and like you're at right. level four, then all of a sudden your character changes. And I don't know. I think that's different. Yeah. Well, and I, I like Dan's advice of turning it around and role playing. like wait a minute, I thought we were friends, let's go with this. It's good advice, but it's very hard to actually enact. Well, it was for me, because my reaction to it was, wait a minute, I must not be interpreting the situation right. Well, I'm just going to keep pushing forward, because this is how it's always been, so I'm just going to kind of double down on it. And then a double down turns into a triple down, and then a quadruple yeah, down. I've it's been like, there. I've, yeah, I've and it's like I you're just putting kept, like a carrot like right on their nose right. It's just like, and then you're rubbing carrot. the carrot in their face, <laughs> and then you and tie then, a second carrot to it, and you just don't understand that they don't yeah. want carrots. And it they're takes, wrong, and you're angry now. Yeah, and it's like that's not what a role playing game. Well, and that be. leads to the second bit of advice, which is maybe this has to be handled at the metagame level right. of saying to the table, look are we just not in the mood tonight or do I need to run a different type of game? And I, the players at this point, they need to have some kind of self-awareness of their mood. Cause I, this one drives me nuts where as the game master, I've had players come and says, no, 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 we totally want a serious game. We don't want you to cheese us out. We love where the campaign's been going. And suddenly it's bikini parties. And yeah. Places, every game. And so it's right. just like, so what do you do? And then they, their actions are all just silly, silly, silly. And then yeah. I'm like, okay, let's take this another direction or let's not game tonight or fine, we will game, but it's going to be the, the trope Chad is quoting with the swimsuit episode. It's an anime, anime thing. thing yeah. If you're not following that for some reason, a lot of anime series have this random one-off episode where it's the beach day swimsuit mm-hmm. episode and the DOA beach volleyball of, <laughs> of role-playing games. That's totally outstanding. Yeah. I mean, I even like that game. The biggest problem with DOA 3 was it didn't have Christy. <laughs> oh. So, but so. yeah, yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, but as long as the players are, I think, cognizant mm-hmm. enough of their own situation to say, all right, yeah, let's just do something a little goofy here and we can just retcon it. This yeah. never happened. Or Well, and as a game master, though, you got to be careful, too, because I know I was. I was getting frustrated. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't anything to get frustrated at. And they're having fun, and then suddenly 
Imagine inside you're like, something's wrong. I'm going to talk to them on the metagame level, and we're going to fix the problem. On the outside, as an outside neutral observer, here's what happens. They're having fun. What the f*** is wrong with you guys? <laughs> yeah. It's because what you're basically saying is, get it together. Why aren't you playing in character? Which is probably one of the worst smacks you can do to somebody who thinks they're playing in character. Yeah. No, no, you're right. And Because guess what? It ain't your character. You might be the game master of the whole damn world. It ain't your character. Right. Now, you might have an opinion about what is in character, not a character for them. And your opinion might be 100% correct. Yeah, maybe they've even put it in writing. Right. I mean, this is one of the things that I have long championed as a game master. I have always... Binding contracts? Yes. <laughs> I, I've, I mean, sort of. But I've, I've always d I've done, at least as far back as I think I've been GMing well, and will continue to do, which is, if this is going to be a long-term campaign, everybody has to give me character and plot hooks. Mm -hmm. You have to give me something that makes the plot personal to you. My brother went disappearing in the dark forest. And God, that damn dark forest. And man. that, that happened six years ago, and no one's seen him since, or whatever. But you've got to give me something that I can use to tie back to the character. To, so if I drop this into the game world, I know two things. One, I have made this more real for you. I have mm -hmm. brought this home. I know that I am giving you a chance to really express and explore the character that you brought to the table, but I also have to believe that this is going to motivate you. Right. And when we were playing Destiny last night, we were running with a guy named Zylo. Mm -hmm. And what Zylo was telling us is he was talking about a game that he was running <laughs> where he ran an entire game session. Mm -hmm. that centered around somebody's backstory. I don't remember. It was, I remember it had to do with a woman. I remember if it was a sister or wife, whatever it was. It was some woman. And at the end of the game, all the players are like, wow, that was a really great game. Who was that woman? <laughs> including, the, <laughs> including the person who wrote that into his backstory. <laughs> like, nice. wow. That's when you just want to, as a game master, you just want to go home and just start drinking. If you take that away from the game master, right? And I once again, I'm not, suggesting you eliminate freedom here but if you just don't act in, in a way that is in any way cogent or predictable at all mm -hmm. then that's no different than the game master just constantly moving the goalposts on the players right which is bull yes and absolutely. it's bull when it goes the other way around uh and this i guess will take me to my th the, the third point here so the game master maybe needs to change things up in character the game master maybe needs to address things at the metagame level and the third point maybe the player needs to be cognizant of what the game master is doing. When a game master comes to you and says, okay, clear, obvious plot across the street. Yes. I know nobody likes to be on the railroads. I know everybody wants to get out there, rebellious streak, whatever. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But there comes a point where. It's D&D. Yeah. There's the Assassin's Guild. They're the bad guys. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> you're across the street. You're across the street. This isn't like. I don't know, Amber Diceless, or it, it isn't Monster Hearts. We're not going to stand in the alley across from the, the Assassin's Guild and talk about our feelings. We're going to go and kick this goddamn door well, down. I, even if you want to. If you've established that's what your character's all about, mm -hmm. that you're playing D&D &D and for some reason you've created a therapist prestige class off yeah. of Bard, 
fine. We've established that as the internal consistency of your character. I wouldn't have put the Assassin's Guild there. Bingo. <laughs> you as a gay master. I would have put a crying little girl there. Yeah. <laughs> and if if the person who's the prestige therapist class <laughs> just walks past the crying little girl, it'd be like, huh. You know, something's kind of up here. Yeah. And then he walks past the dysfunctional married couple. And then he walks past <laughs> the, I mean, we, we can go through all the, the archetypes here and just n- nothing at all yeah. moves this person's needles. Like, Until well, he finds out that there's an assassin guild. And then he takes out his battle axe. And like. That, that he's got but, like a minus two to hit one. Right. But he's got his door kicking boots on. And it's just like. What kind uh, of carrots were you throwing at their face though? Uh, I mean, it was... It was like this big bukkake of plot points. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't really even want to get into it because, no, like, okay, it's super, enough. super basic. Again, I was introducing a new character. Right. So I was really softballing So who's stuff. the new player? I've already got it's my... John. Okay, that was my guess. Yeah, yeah it was John. So, okay. So and it's, inconsistently John. He's actually playing a rogue, so he can, like, kind of, hey, where'd the rogue go? Because yeah. he's not in every okay. weekend. It's like, oh, that guy always disappearing. Yeah, all right. So yeah, that was my guess, as John was the other player. Yeah. Okay, so I, I can already tell you what part of what your problem here is, is, of course, wherever John goes, he brings the party. Now, <laughs> now John's a good role player, oh, yeah. right? And he's a good player. I'm not saying otherwise. No, even, even John but I'm just got saying, to a point where he's like, like they're talking and talking and talking, and they're spinning their wheels, and he looks at me and goes, I cross the street and I knock on the door. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying his presence has that effect. Yes, he does. It, it's, it doesn't even have to be something he's doing. His presence has that effect. Like, that's just what people expect out of John. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something we come to expect out of Brodor. Right. And, right. and if, we have to make a list to contain things. That. Yes, yeah. precisely. But oh, we also goodness. expect to be able to direct it. Yes. I, I would not know how to run the depressed Brodor through the boot episode. No. It'd be a, a depressed? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, which is actually, in truth, probably all of them, which is yeah. why it works. <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, if it brought was all down tempo and not hyperventilating into his hoodie right. in between talking about. Oh, my God. I so wish we had a webcam set up, which, uh, by the way, if anybody writes in and says, why don't you set up a webcam? Yeah, I've I've suggested that. But I, I wish we had a webcam set up because Brodor is so animated yes and it's his face so into playing the game and he gets so physically animated at the situations is just great he went full turtle with his hoodie oh man repeatedly throughout the most recent actual play game i thought he would have to like (laughs) step out of the room for a minute and just kind of decompress till he can come back Huff some oxygen right i really wonder what his car ride home is like if that's what he is doing mm. the whole ride home it's just stan gets and girl from empanema <laughs> it's just like chilling out and just like oh a nice night yeah dun, 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 or decompressing dun, dun, like really dun, dun, bad dun, dun, or talking to like nobody yeah. about or he's like punching the roof of his yeah, car like, oh my god taking his <laughs> <laughs> oh that would be why weren't the rest of the guys freaking out like oh, i am we should like issue webcams for like a day in the life of fear the boot host no, that would be a terrible idea. Oh, it'd be great. It'd just be a lot of me <laughs> sitting in front of a computer. Yeah, me too. And then when work is over, I would continue to sit, sit in, front in front of a computer. computer. All that would change is, is you would stop alt-tabbing every time somebody walks by. <laughs> right. <laughs> you just leave the video game up. When I was younger, they don't put these in video games anymore and they need to. When I was younger, I there was a thing where, like, mm-hmm. on the old computer games, they would have what they called boss screens. Yeah. Where you could be playing the video game on your computer, 
and you could do either a key combination or type in a code or something like that, and it would switch to a bullshit like spreadsheet, spreadsheet. <laughs> or a document so you could pretend that's what you were working on so it looked productive. And then as soon as they walked away, you could hit some different key combination and go right back to the video game. And these were like built-in features that shipped with the games. Like it wasn't like alt-tabbing or whatever. It was This was built into the game. We made, when I worked at Scott Trade with Wayne, we made this bat file where you would double click it and it would launch continuous pings and it would launch a monitoring tool and it would launch something else that would just like had text running and scrolling and scrolling. And it would like launch these five windows out and they were all moving and colorful and doing things and yet were did nothing. Yeah. And it was just, it was just like, Oh, here comes the boss. Click, click. It's like it's just activity all yeah, over your screen. So much activity. Blocking out Facebook. Yes. It was great. Wow. I guess I was never clever enough to do that. Cause I actually work. What? What? <laughs> Why did you get into IT? I think we're going to wrap this one up. Be sure to check the show notes. We should have links to a few things, at least the Destiny 2 clan, if nothing Mm -hmm. else. And beyond that, as always, have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. See ya. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2018. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy network of shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.